You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas to you. It is so, so good to be with you up here at Mariner. My name is Cam Daly. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I am our campus pastor down at Rail City Campus in Port Moody. Service literally is beginning right now at 10 a.m., so you guys can pray for them. Uh, it's always a wild, wild time down there. So much fun, but honestly, excited to be here. Uh, me and Pastor Sam have done a little bit of a swap. He's down at Rail City. I'm up here at Mariner, uh, and uh, you know, and so it's, it's good times, and it's an opportunity, uh, really, for me to come up here and be encouraged by you, but also to encourage you. Uh, we've been in a series called Angels We Have Heard. Uh, now, I, I believe you guys are on week two of Angels We Have Heard, not week three, right? This is week three. You've had three sermons on Angels We Have Heard? No, because Mark and Diane's service, this is the second sermon in Angels We Have Heard. Thank you, John. Uh, <laughs> And it's funny, we started this series three weeks ago on November 27th. Now, I have always had this kind of rule, uh, at least over the last decade, that I do not start celebrating Christmas until literally November 30th at midnight. Uh, Okay, so as soon as it's December 1st, Christmas has begun. Put on the Christmas tree, pull out the eggnog, play the Christmas music. And oftentimes, before this event, uh, we would have people over at our house and we'd have a time of repentance about how we've partook in Christmas before that moment. Uh, and, uh, and so literally, we'd have people over and we'd go around the room, hi, my name's Cam, I drank an eggnog latte, I've, I've watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer three times already, you know, Michael Buble has been on repeat, right? And it's like... It's like, and we would just proclaim forgiveness over that person for partaking in Christmas before this moment. And people recently have said, I'm kind of Grinch-like. They're like, this is an unusual quality for a pastor to be so against celebrating Christmas. (laughs) But now that I'm a campus pastor, Advent forces me into the moment a little sooner than I'm ready. And I don't know about you, maybe you're ready for Christmas, <laughs> to fully embrace Christmas messages, Christmas trees, Christmas music, or perhaps it is a challenging time for you. Uh, and, and so I don't know where you are at in this room, but today, here's what I do know, is that we're going to be hearing a message, an angelic proclamation to a guy named Zachariah, uh, and, and, and he's going to encourage us and speak to us in light of this area of fear. And I think that uh, there's many reasons for us to fear uh, in the world that we live here today, and I believe we're going to walk away greatly encouraged. Uh, Before we continue, I I do want to speak quickly to angels, uh, because, you know, I'm not sure how this was set up a couple weeks ago, but it, it is a little odd, right? Outside of Christmas time, do we really talk about angels that often, not really. Uh, I, I do run into people who think that they have many relatives who are their angels, right? And things like this. This is something I encounter all the time. But for those of us who do not have deceased relatives who have been given wings, what are angels? What are their roles? What are their purposes in the scriptures? Well, there's a number I want to highlight for us. And this is not exclusive, but I do believe it helps us. The first is this, is that we see that they serve God. Uh, 
Uh, we see that they, they serve God. And, and there's an example of this in the temptation of Jesus, where after he has just gone through 40 days and 40 nights of intense temptation, the enemy coming against him, angels come and they go and they serve him. They take care of him. They tend to him. The second thing we see regarding angels in the scriptures, specifically the New Testament, is this, is that they help people. We've been walking through the book of Acts these last number of of weeks, uh, this fall together, and you've seen angels show up in this story a number of times. Uh, First in chapter one, where they show up to the apostles who are staring up into heaven. They say, men, why are you staring up into heaven? Christ is gone. But in the way that he is gone, he will return. Uh, And so they're, they're bringing a message, but they also come alongside and help literally let the, the disciples out of prison <laughs> on a couple of occasions. And so they come alongside and they help people. And so when we have these narratives that angels may be helping us and interacting with our day-to-day lives, it is true, they do. The third is this, and this is what we see primarily come out in the Christmas story time and time again, is that they are messengers. Messengers on behalf of God, sharing messages with us about what God wants to do in and through us, about who we are and about who he is. We see them speaking revelation uh, in the book of Revelation. We see them bringing about messages to the church. Jesus even addresses, he says, to the angel of the church of Pergamum, the, the angel of the church of Sardis. And Pastor Mark would often talk about the fact that he believes that we have angels who oversee this church, one on each corner. They bring about messages to us, and this is what we will see today, is that they are bringing a message on behalf of God to various characters in the Christmas story, and today we see it in in Luke chapter 1, to the man, Zechariah. And so, if you're willing, if you're able, uh, would you please stand as we read God's word, the most important words we're going to hear today, far more important than anything I have to say. And so let's read together. We'll start in verse 5. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. When Herod was the king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they both were very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty this week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by a lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. And while the incense were being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. And while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Standing to the right of the incense altar, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John, and you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. But he must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. 
And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit, sorry, with the, with the spirit and power of Elijah. And he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. But Zechariah says to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. It's a nice way of saying that, Zechariah. Um, and then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring the good news. But now, since you did not believe what I have said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for the words will certainly be fulfilled in their proper time. Jesus, thank you for these words today. Thank you for this angelic message to Zechariah and to us. I pray that you would help us to understand them by your Holy Spirit. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. So what is taking place here? Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth are getting on in years. Anyone relate? Uh, and uh, they're unable to conceive. And Zechariah is a priest. He enters the very place where the presence of God is meant to dwell. And he's lighting the incense in an angelic being. Gabriel shows up to him. He speaks a message over him that he and his wife will have a son and this son will be great and this son will point to the Lord, the Lord our God who came at Christmas. And Zechariah doubts this. He's unsure. First he's fearful and then he's kind of questioning. And I, I think you would as well. It's not an everyday experience to be spoken to by an angel and Gabriel really gets ticked off about this uh, and makes him mute for nine months, and this is how we see the story actually progress, is that the nine months between that moment and his son being born, he is unable to speak. And then he is born, and at his circumcision ceremony, finally, Zachariah is able to open his mouth, proclaim that his name will be John, and he begins to prophesy. And I believe the words of this angel and the words of Zachariah's prophecy comfort us today. I didn't want to make you stand for the entirety of it, but I'll read them for you now. Here's the words of his prophecy. Here's what he says. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he proclaimed through his prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear and in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And then he speaks over his son and he says, And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way of the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light of heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those of us who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. And it says, and John grew up 
and became strong in the spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. You see, friends, the words of this angel and these prophetic words of Zechariah, they, they speak to us today how? Well, I believe that there is much reason for us to fear. It started with a pandemic and then shadow pandemics, wars, rumors of wars, economic crisis, rising interest rates, inflation, fill in the blank. What is it for you? I think that we'd be lying if we would say there's not many reasons to fear this holiday season. But there's one common theme in each of these appearances that the first thing that the angel says, of course they're startled, but I believe that their message, that the next words that they say are far more profound than that, and they say it in each one of the appearances, including to Zechariah, they say these words, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. In a world that gives us so much reason to fear, these angels remind us, fear not, you do not have to be afraid. But why is it that Zechariah should not be afraid? Well, there's a number of reasons, both in the angelic message and Zechariah's prophecy that speaks to him and us. I want to share them with you, and there's six, but I promise they're quick. <laughs> you don't believe me. You know, you know better. You remember. No. <laughs> John's shivering in the front row. It's good. Here's the first reason. It says, do not be afraid. Why? Because God has heard your prayer. Do not be afraid, for God has heard your prayer. This is the first point. Zechariah had been praying for a child, for a son, so that God could remove their shame and specifically his wife's shame. In a culture, to be childless would be frowned upon. And women, and recognize it as a different time, primarily saw their contribution to family life as having and raising children. And these two are without child. And Zechariah probably day and night prayed. And I want to be insensitive. There may be some in this room who have prayed for this very thing. And years and years gone by and long past the date where they would expect this would even be a possibility. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appears to them and proclaims over them, Do not be afraid. God has heard your prayer, Zechariah. His ears have not been shut to you. He is not far from you. He is close enough to hear you. And I want to remind us this morning of this same reality. We do not have to be afraid because God hears us. God hears us. He does hear our prayer. He hears the prayer that you pray as you're driving in your car and you're whispering to yourself. He hears the prayers that you pray as you wake up in the morning as you have to face the day. He hears the prayers that you pray as you are closing your eyes and going to sleep. He hears your prayer. We have a God whose ears are wide open to us. He is not mad at us and far from us. He has not muted us and turned down the volume. He hears us. He hears our prayers. And I want to encourage us of this reality this Christmas that he hears you. 1 John chapter 5, verse 15 says this, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He certainly does. And I think if we began to recount our history, we would recognize that we do have a God who hears us. Am I right? But we so easily forget. 
We so easily forget the ways that he has answered our prayers, and so I've started to write down the ways in which I can see God answering my uh, prayers in my life. To remind myself when I think that he's not listening that he does, but he does answer things in his timing. And sometimes my will is not according to his will. God hears us. There's a couple times recently where God has answered a prayer that I had for my family or had for Rail City Campus or whatever it was. And I've literally said out loud, God has heard our prayers. And my daughter the other day, she, you know, she shouted that out. And I thought, wow, she heard me. There's an example of what it looks like for us to just proclaim that God hears us over our families. Here's the second thing that we see to be true and a reason that we do not have to be afraid, and it is this. We do not have to be afraid because God will rescue us, and God has rescued us. We see this assurance in the text. The, the, the angel Gabriel proclaims over Zechariah, he says, This son that you will have, he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the way for the coming Lord. And Zechariah echoes this reality later on in his prophecy. He says over his son, and you, my little son, will be a prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. The Lord, the Messiah, is coming. And this son, John, will point to him. Zechariah, when he is proclaiming these things, I do believe he is thinking about them politically that his son John will prepare the way for the Lord, the Messiah, who will save Israel from the rule of Rome, their enemy. But this statement is still true, even though they were not delivered immediately from their enemies. The Lord is coming, and he will rescue them. He proclaims this in verse 67. He has sent us a mighty Savior. Your translation might say, He has sent us a horn of salvation. And when I heard this line, that the, the mighty Savior, this is the NLT's kind of translation to help us understand it. But the horn of salvation, I, I, I thought immediately to the time uh, that John and I and Sam and Ryan and a bunch of other people on staff were in Israel, and they had these things called the shofar. And they would blow the shofar, and it, it, would be a, it would be a symbol that Shabbat had started. But it also, in ancient times, would be used to declare and to give direction to armies, but also declare victory. Declare victory over their enemies. This is what Zechariah is telling us, is that we have a mighty Savior who will bring victory over our enemies. And this is true of our enemies, some of you right now, you're thinking of political enemies. <laughs> you're thinking of that person in your workplace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's many different ways we could kind of uh, categorize and, and hypothesize who our enemies might be. But here's the enemies I'm sure he will defeat for you this Christmas. Is that in Jesus Christ, our mighty Savior has defeated Satan, sin, and death. These enemies no longer have power over us. This is why we can sing, oh death, where is your sting? Oh hell, where is your victory? Because our God has sent us a mighty savior who has delivered us and freed us from our enemies. Here's the third promise. Do not be afraid. We have a God who keeps his promises. 
We have a God who keeps his promises. God, time and time again in the Old Testament, what did he do? He proclaimed that he would send the Messiah. He would send the Lord who would deliver them, who would free them, who would rescue them. And there's many prophecies to point to the coming of this son. And the angel that we have heard this day proclaims over Zechariah, God has heard the prayers of Israel. God has heard your prayers. He has sent a mighty Savior, and he will keep his promises. He will keep his promises. He says this, he has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. You see, we have a God who keeps his promises. Now, you like Zechariah, as you hear this this morning, you might respond in a similar way that he did. Ah, this is really cool. There's an angel in front of me proclaiming that God will keep his promises, but how can this be? How can this be? I, know, I want you to know if you're a doubter, and maybe you, you're, you're a follower of Jesus who's a doubter. You're deconstructing your faith and you're trying to reframe what you believe. You're in this room, you're a skeptic. Maybe you're an atheist who's being dragged here with your spouse. I don't know what it might be. But I want you to know that, that when you hear things like God will keep his promises and you're like, yeah, I'm not even sure about that. You're not alone. The characters of scriptures literally priests, okay? We're doubters. He said, how could this be? The angel's pretty ticked about this because he's like, okay, first off, I'm an angel, okay? <laughs> but secondly, right, like, uh, you're a priest. You should know these things. Like, don't you remember the story of Abraham <laughs> and Sarah and how God gave them a child in their old age and now you're doubting that I can do this for you? Come on, man. Okay, listen, you're just, no more sermons from you for the next nine months. You're mute, right? <laughs> I need you some time to just really contemplate the mistake you've just made this morning. But this passage reminds us that God does keep his promises. He absolutely does. He promised that he would send a Messiah and a Savior from the house of David, and he did. He accomplished it in his timing, yes, but he was faithful to fulfill his promise. And Jesus will keep his promises to us. How do I know this? Because he kept their, his promise to them. The greatest indicator of the future is looking back in the past. We can see how God has moved and worked in human history. And we can see and believe that he will work in our days. He will keep his promises. He will return. He will forgive us. We will see eternal life. We can believe these things. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, God does not give us everything we want, but he does fulfill his promises, lead us, leading us along the best and straightest paths to himself. This is true for us this Christmas. We have a God who keeps his promise. He kept it to Zechariah. He kept it to Israel, and he will keep it when it comes to us. Fourth reason, do not be afraid there is forgiveness. Do not be afraid. There is forgiveness. Now, I can't say this is necessarily true for this campus, but I walk alongside people in our congregation all the time, and I'm sure your pastors do. We have conversations about their life, conversations about the challenges that they're meeting and facing, conversations where they're confessing their deepest confidences to me. And sometimes I can see in their hearts 
this fear, this thing that I've done, this line that I've crossed, surely it is unforgivable. Surely I am unwelcome. Surely I am unworthy. And I, I think there is many in this room who are believing this this morning. Because of something you have done. And you're deeply afraid. What if someone finds out? What if they knew? I know God knows. I'm not even sure I'm getting in. Zechariah promises us through this prophecy. The angel speaks over him that there is forgiveness of sins for us who believe. For us who place our faith in Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness. And this prophecy, these words that we have heard, they speak that John will point to the one who will show us the way of salvation and the forgiveness of sins. He reminds us, you, John, will tell the people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of our sins. And he does this, how? By pointing to the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. In Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness for you this season. I want to remind you that baby came and his name was Jesus. He is a forgiver. He can forgive you of your darkest confidences, your worst errors, your greatest secrets. He is a forgiver. He is a redeemer. That is who he is. And I want you to know and have assurance of that this Christmas, that there is truly forgiveness for you. No matter how great, no matter how small, whatever it is that you have done, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ at Christmas is this, is that he has come to redeem his people. He has come to remove our sins. He has come to do the thing that we could not do in our own power, in our own steam. You cannot in earn it. You cannot deserve it. It is only found in him and this is why he had to die for us on the cross. And this is why we celebrate his birth because he came the king to die for you and I so that we could be made right with God. He who knew no sin became sin in order that we might become the righteousness of God. Yes. <laughs> Amen. And it is true for you, friends. It is true for you. And frankly, it deserves more than a golf clap. Honestly, right? <laughs> you are forgiven in Jesus. Here's our, our fifth promise. I believe that many of you are deeply afraid that you will not find peace. You've lived in a constant state of anxiety, a constant state of just chaos. Your mind is restless. You struggle to sleep. And you, you worry, will I find peace? Will I find this peace that is often promised to me? Well, in this text, we see that we are promised that there is a path to peace. And his name is Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. And Humanity's longing and, and searching and struggling to find peace is found in no other place than the person of Jesus Christ. This is what is promised to us in this text. What does he say? He says that there is a path to peace. And it's in Jesus. And yet, 
although we know that, like we all, like many of us, most of us who are in this room, we know that Jesus is the path to peace, but we find ourselves chasing after other paths to peace so often, don't we? Trying to numb the pain, trying to shut off our mind. We chase after distractions. We chase after uh, paths that do not lead to peace, but rather destruction. And it harms us time and time again. But Zechariah proclaims through his prophecy that there is a path to peace. And his name is Jesus Christ. He came to us at Christmas. He lived among us. And if we place our trust in him and we set our eyes on him, we can find peace. We can find peace. Shalom. Right relationship with God. Right relationship with one another. Right relationship with the world. It is found In Jesus, peace will not be found in entertainment or political leader. Peace will not be found in many of the paths we chase after. It is found in Jesus. And so if you are looking for peace this Christmas, fear not. There is a path to peace. And here's the last reason. We do not have to be afraid because there is light. The world has felt so dark, hasn't it? Hopeless, like we sit in the shadow of death. Divorce, alcohol abuse, drug overdose, crippling loneliness, suicide are at all-time highs. Natural disasters plague our world. Racial injustice is on our news feeds. It feels sincerely like we sit in the shadow of death, as this text says. Can it get any worse than this? Will we be okay? You might be wondering. But this prophecy of Zechariah, in light of what the angel has told him, says this, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. What a powerful statement. The morning light from heaven is about to. No, it has for us who live on this side of the story broken upon us. He has given light to those of us who sit in darkness and live in the shadow of death. Yes, things are dark, but Jesus is the light in the darkness. I personally have always loved this illustration of Jesus' light. It's always spoken to me so powerfully. That Jesus is like a campfire that we gather around and it gives us comfort in the midst of a dark, dark world. That Jesus is like the moon that reflects the light of the Father and gives light to our path. Recently, as I'm the dad of a two-year-old, <laughs> I recognize Jesus a lot like a nightlight. <laughs> and let me tell you what I mean by that. Oftentimes, when this happened recently, my daughter will cry out in the middle of the night, and I will come to her room, and I will come in, and I'll say, Amy, what's wrong? And she'll say, it's dark. She says, I can't see you, Dad. So I'll walk over, and I'll turn on her nightlight, and she says, now I can see you. She literally said this the other day, I'm not afraid. Jesus wants to give you light 
to comfort you in the midst of the darkness so that you can see the face of the Father, that you would no longer have to be afraid. Jesus promised in John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, if you follow me, you will no longer have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. This is the promise from Jesus Christ. If you follow me, you will no longer have to walk in the darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. This is the promise for us this Christmas. And so I say to you, church, do not be afraid. And I declare Zechariah's words over you. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior who will take away our fears. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. And I'll invite the band up. Lord, thank you for today. I thank you, God, that in a very dark and challenging and fearful world, we are given great reason to not fear this, mo- this morning. You are the God who hears our prayers. You are the God who will come to rescue us. You are the God who will keep your promises. You are the God in whom forgiveness is found. You are the God who is the path to peace. You, God, are the light of the world. And because of these things, even though there is great reason to be afraid, I pray that your presence now would cast away all fear. We look to you, Jesus, light of the world. We place our hope in you. And I pray by your spirit, these words would be more than just a Sunday morning comfort, but they would walk with us as we go throughout our days and weeks, as we hear the next news story, as we face our next trial. We would remember, do not be afraid for all the reasons we spoke of this morning. Thank you, Lord. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.